as I was preparing for the sermon earlier this week, I, I came across uh, an incredible story on the internet. Uh, it was about uh, a boy who was born September 9th, 1890. At the age of five, his father passed away. At the age of 16, this boy dropped out of school, and by the age of 17, he had lost four jobs. He turned 19, got married, had a daughter, but by the age of 20, his wife left him and took the daughter with her. So he said, I've got nothing else going on. I might as well join the military. But the military discharged him. So he applied for law school, didn't get it, didn't get in. Then he decided to try being an insurance salesman and failed at that as well. And finally, he landed a job in a little cafe working as a dishwasher and a cook. And he did that to the age of 65 when he retired. A few days after he retired, he received a check in the mail from uh, the United States of America, from the government. It was a check for $105. And when he opened it up, he felt worthless. He looked at that check and said, this is the government telling me I can no longer provide for myself. And so he made a plan. And it was to commit suicide. And as he was getting ready to carry out that plan, suddenly he realized, you know what, I am very good at something. I'm very good at cooking. And so he borrowed $87, bought a whole bunch of chicken, fried it up in his special recipe, and went door-to-door in Kentucky selling chicken. And before you know it, Kentucky Fried Chicken, KFC, was born. Now, I don't know if that story is completely true or not. I found it on the internet, so, uh, you know, it could be like a Paul Bunyan-type story. (laughs) You know, the fisherman who goes fishing, catches a fish this big, and it ends up this big. Um, But Colonel Sanders did say something very, very interesting. He said, I made a resolve that I was going to amount to something if I could. And no hours, no amount of labor, no amount of money would deter me from giving the best that there was in me. And I have done that ever since. And I win by it. I know. At one point in his life, Colonel Sanders felt like a failure. He felt worthless. And then he said, you know what? I'm going to make something of me. I'm not going to be a nobody. I'm going to make something of me. And I'm going to do it with my, my abilities and my smarts. And by the time he uh, retired at 88, he was a millionaire. Today we continue in our sermon series called Freedom. And we're looking at a topic of self-reliance. And at first, we might not think that this one's a big deal. It's very subtle. It's a subtle change that wraps around us. But there's a very dangerous side to this uh, topic. And it's dangerous because we look at that story of Colonel Sanders and we say, Good for you, Colonel. Good for you. In fact, I want that as well. And so we're going to look at this topic today and the danger that comes with it. And to do so, we're going to look at Daniel chapter 4. In Daniel chapter 4, first of all, where is Daniel chapter 4? Daniel is one of the, towards the back end of the Old Testament. Uh, and to give you a little history lesson as to where we're at, if you remember 950 B.C., King Solomon uh, is king over all of Israel, 
And they've extended their boundaries to the uh, greatest that it's going to be. They've experienced peace. Kingdom was the best. After King Solomon, there was civil war in, the, in, the, in Israel. The ten tr- northern tribes broke off and formed the kingdom of Israel. The two southern tribes, Benjamin and Judah, uh, they formed the kingdom of Judah. The northern ten tribes get taken over by Assyria in 700, around 700 B.C., but the two southern tribes hold on until 600 B.C. when King Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon came over and took their wisest people from Jerusalem. So where is Babylon? It's right over here, modern-day Iraq. You've got uh, this river right here is uh, the Euphrates, and this is the Tigris. Uh, and this is where Babylon is. And so all this pink is what Nebuchadnezzar took over. This is a huge amount of territory. Assyria is up here. So when the nor- ten northern tribes get taken over, they leave from right here and get taken up over here. The kingdom of Israel is right over here in Judah, down here. You've got Jerusalem right here. And so Nebuchadnezzar comes over at 600 B.C. and leaves Jerusalem in place. He leaves the Israelites there. He just takes all the smart people uh, to bring them back to work in his government. And one of those smart people is Daniel. Eventually, Judah gets completely wiped out at 580 B.C. uh, because they don't play nice. They're not good puppets for Nebuchadnezzar. And so Nebuchadnezzar said, this is it. I'm coming over, taking you out. And that's what he did. But so Daniel's in Babylon, uh, and in Daniel chapter 4, King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And the dream is of this tree that reaches all the way to the sky. Big branches. And then an angel comes out of heaven, cuts all the branches off, and cuts the tree down to a stump. The king wakes up and, and he's perplexed, he's distressed is what the Bible tells us. And he calls in Daniel and says, Daniel, what does this dream mean? And Daniel says, King, this isn't a good dream for you because this tree is you. Unless if you repent, unless if you acknowledge God and that He is giving you success, this is going to be you. You're going to be cut down, your power taken away, you're going to be thrown out into the field to live like an animal and eat grass with the animals. This is the background to where we're picking up in Daniel chapter 4, beginning with verse 28. All of this, everything that Daniel told him, all of this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, Is not this great Babylon I have built as a royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? King Nebuchadnezzar did what we all want to do, at least a little part of us inside of us, and that is look at our little kingdoms and admire the work that we've done. You see, there's a part of us, and this is your first point, that we are all trying to build our own little Babylons. We're all trying to build our own little kingdoms here on earth. And if you want to look at someone who built a successful kingdom, Look at Nebuchadnezzar. As Nebuchadnezzar walked out onto his roof that day to overlook his city, he was overlooking one of the, if not the greatest city of the ancient Near East. That's what commentators say. This was the greatest city. As he looked out over his roof, he was looking at 
the very first master planned community. Uh, this guy was quite an architect. He was the first one to ever come up with a master planned city. And so instead of just having people spread out everywhere, he split up the city into rectangles. And these rectangles were separated by wide roads. Maybe this is what he was looking at as he stood on his roof. Maybe he was looking next to him and was looking at the hanging gardens. If you don't know what the hanging gardens are, go home and Google them. Uh, They don't really seem that impressive by today's standards, but they were considered one of the seven uh, wonders of the ancient world, and Nebuchadnezzar had them built. Maybe he was looking at the canals that he had, uh, the regulated canals that connected to the Tigris and Euphrates River to provide an irrigation system for all of Babylon. Isn't that crazy? 600 B.C., and this guy had set up an irrigation system for his city from the rivers. Maybe he was looking at all of the magnificent temples, the the beautiful altars and the shrines throughout the city because they were everywhere to the Babylonian gods, and they were beautiful. Maybe this is what he's all looking at. And as he looks out, he says, Look at all of this. Look what I've accomplished by my mighty power and by the works of my hands. Look what I've done. And that's the danger of self-reliance, right? When we rely on ourselves, it's really motivated by pride in our hearts. You see, self-reliance is just really... uh, A cause and effect, I'll say. When there's pride in my heart, my desire for glory, I am going to rely on myself because then I don't have to give credit to anybody else. I don't. When I am a success, I can take all the credit and all the glory. And that's what Nebuchadnezzar did. And as we look out at our little kingdoms, we're guilty of that as well, right? We look and we say, it's my business savvy mind that has gotten me up into my company. We look and we say, "Uh, everyone tells me how great of a family we have, how my kids are so good. It's my parenting skills that have done this. It's my performance in the classroom. It's my performance on the field. Uh, It's my dedication that has gotten me the success that I have on the field. We can look here at church and say, it's my pastor's business connections. It's my hard work. It's me getting out in the community that's making this church grow. It's a temptation for all of us to say, look at my little kingdom that I've built. It's by my power and by my might. There's a story of a man who came up to his pastor one day and said, Pastor, I have a problem. The pastor says, okay, what's, what's the problem? Well, Pastor, I, I just got a promotion and that means that uh, I'm getting paid more. So what's the problem? Well, my wife found out about it and knows that I'm making more money and, and she said that we should be giving more in our offering to church now that I'm getting more money. I'm sorry, Gary, I, I still don't see what the problem is. Well, Pastor, the problem is I worked hard to get that promotion. 
It was my dedication to my company. I worked hard for it. I've been working for so long for this promotion, and now I finally got it. The church didn't do any of it. Why should I give my hard-earned money to church? It was me who did it. Look at me. Look at me. Look what I've done. Now, success isn't a bad thing. Being successful uh, isn't what's wrong here. Nebuchadnezzar's success isn't what was wrong with him. What's wrong is when we look at our little kingdoms of success, like Nebuchadnezzar, and we're filled with pride, and we want the glory instead of giving it to God. That's what Nebuchadnezzar's downfall was. And here's what happened. Immediately, what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. People have a hard time with this section of Scripture because did Nebuchadnezzar really do this? Was he really out in the field living like an ox, eating grass, and his body drenched with the dew of heaven? And, the feathers of it, and his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle? If you look in uh, Babylonian history, there's about a five to seven year period where there's nothing recorded of Nebuchadnezzar. Nothing he did for five to seven years, and then all of a sudden he picks up again with his accomplishments. God said, look, you're going to acknowledge me. You're going you're gonna to give me glory or I'm going to show you how much control you really have on your own. And how much control? You've got about as much control as an animal. That's what you have, Nebuchadnezzar. So you're going to go out and you're going to eat the grass. When we rely on ourselves when our pride becomes so much, we look to our performance, don't we? And it'll drive us crazy. Now, I have it in quotation marks because Nebuchadnezzar was a special case. God actually took uh, his mental abilities, his mental capabilities away and said, you're going to eat grass. This is how you're going to be because I'm going to teach you a lesson. Uh, but for us, it's a little different, right? For us, if, if we are relying on ourselves to make something of ourselves so that we can have all the glory, it's going to drive us crazy because then we become a glory junkie. Because as we look at our little kingdoms, we know that glory comes and glory goes. We know that our little kingdoms can be destroyed at any single time. It can be taken away because deep down we know that we don't have control. But we want the glory as if we do have control. And so if we keep relying on ourselves, it'll drive us to wit's end as we push ourselves and we push ourselves and we push ourselves to get more and more glory. We want to make some impact in our company because we want to point to something that says, look what I've done. And so we push ourselves. We work harder hours. We work longer uh, at the expense of our family. Why? Because we want the glory. And we need more and more of it. We look to our little family and we like how everyone keeps telling us uh, what uh, great kids we have 
and how good they are. And so we're reading all the blogs over and over again, reading all the parenting books so that we can keep this little kingdom intact. Look what I've done. I want more glory. If you want transparency, for me, I have to always guard my heart. We all have to guard our hearts against pride. And for me, it's that uh, I have to guard my heart against relying on myself when it comes to preaching God's Word. If my goal at the end of every sermon is for you to leave and say, wow, great job, Pastor. Great sermon. Uh, Eventually, I'm going to want all the glory. And if that's my goal, then I'm going to do whatever it takes to get you to say, wow, Pastor, great sermon. Even if it means going away from God's Word. Even if it means from adding all kinds of antics into the sermon, just so you leave saying, wow, great job. But at the in our hearts, we all want to say, look what I've done. And we're glory junkies. We want the next glory. And Nebuchadnezzar had to learn who's in control. And so do we. Our success, the glory that we get, is only because God grants it. It's only because God's in control and God blesses our work. We have just as much of control over our success as Nebuchadnezzar did. And God says, stop relying on yourself. Stop. Stop trying to make yourself a success. Stop trying to get the glory for yourself. I've given it to you. And He says, live free by relying on Christ's performance because that frees you from you. Nebuchadnezzar as he was out in this field eating grass, uh, eventually acknowledges who everything came from. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, that's the thing, this whole chapter has been a, a narrative by Nebuchadnezzar. He's recounting everything that happened to him. I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. Commentators say that uh, as he raised his eyes to heaven, that was, uh, uh, that's a metaphor for him not actually raising his eyes to heaven, but acknowledging that God is in control. God is giving him success. Because his sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified Him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. Nebuchadnezzar finally realized and acknowledged where everything came from. It wasn't from his power, from his might. It's from God. All the success he had from God. His little kingdom that had been built up, that he used his brains that God gave him to build up, it's not anything compared to God's eternal dominion. It's from God. God. And that's what we have to learn too, right? Our little kingdoms, our little kingdoms that we are building uh, are all from God. And yet, they're here today and gone tomorrow. They aren't everlasting. The glory that we're trying to seek is here today, gone tomorrow. Our career success, our looks, uh, our families, uh, our appearances, our wealth, everything. Here today, gone tomorrow. And that's what Nebuchadnezzar learned. Babylon's not standing today. That kingdom is here and gone. But God's kingdom, 
His glory lasts forever. And God says, stop trying to find glory by relying on yourself for earthly glory and instead look to me for eternal glory, an eternal dominion. And here's the irony of it all. When we take pride, when when our pride takes the glory that belongs to God, when we refuse to acknowledge God, what are we doing? We are elevating ourselves to God's throne, right? God, you deserve this glory and honor, but I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it for myself. That's putting ourselves in God's place. That's breaking the first commandment. You shall have no other gods. I've just elevated myself to God. And here's the irony. God says, I want you to have glory. I want you to have power. I want you to have all of this. And so what does He do? He lowers Himself to us so that one day He can elevate us to that eternal glory. That's why Jesus came. Because God wants us to have glory. Just not earthly glory that is here today, gone tomorrow. He wants us to have eternal glory that will blow any of the glory that we have in this world out of the water. That's why Jesus came and lived that perfect life. Because we don't. He performed perfectly, 10 out of 10. That's why He was pierced for our transgressions, crucified on the cross to take away all of our sins, to bring us into this eternal dominion that will last forever and ever. Jesus says to you, I love you. Stop being chained to relying on yourself to get yourself glory, but rely on me. That's why I came to this world, to live perfectly so that you can inherit this kingdom. That's why I died, so that you can have it. That's why I rose, so that you can experience it forever and ever, and this glory will never be taken away. You know, the reason we want to build up our little kingdoms is because we want to feel like a success. We want to feel like we're worth something. We want people to see that we're not losers. And the only way we know we're not losers is if we get glory. And Jesus says, stop relying on yourself for that. Stop. I've given you all the glory you could ever dream of. That's why I lived, died, and rose again. All the glory is yours. You might not experience it here on earth, but you will experience it for eternity as you come into God's kingdom. So this week, as you start looking to yourself and you feel with, fill with pride and you rely on yourself, take your eyes off yourself for a second and point your eyes to Jesus, who is making you successful, who is making and blessing everything for your eternal good. Look to Him for the glory that your heart so desperately wants because His glory will never go away and it will be eternally satisfying. To Him be praise, honor, and glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank You for giving us the glory that our heart so desperately wants. We ask that as we go out this week that we live a humble life, life pointing our eyes toward you. Amen.